Well, God's good to us. Um, Friday night, we came, and the Lord's been dealing with me real strongly about some things uh, over the last several months, and I've been talking to Keith about them, and he said, well, Phil, looks like you're about to get your opportunity the other day. And so uh, we got ready to come to do the service here, and he had kind of decided how we were going to divvy things up for this weekend and stuff. And uh, he said, um, Dave and I will stay here, and uh, you and Rob will go there. And I said, okay. Um, I said, you know what, um, that would be okay. Well, first he said they were going to stay there, and I'd come here. And I said, um, okay, that would be okay. And I just kind of smiled, and then we went to dinner, and I said, you know what, um, you're kind of used to kind of starting out and kind of doing everything by yourself, you know? And um, I said, you can sing. And I said, um, and uh, you do the offering lots just right by yourself. I said, and then you know how to close just right by yourself, <laughs> you know? And I kind of pouted and whined just a little bit, <laughs> you know? And, um, and I said, can, can I just um, maybe take Rob and, and Dave with me? I said, then Rob can sing and he can open, you know? And I said, and then Dave can do the offering and then I can just do the sermon, <laughs> you know? He said, oh, Phil, sure. <laughs> so uh, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And God's going to help us. It's going to be good. But Friday night, I told him, I said, you know, I want us to get back to some things because I learned things differently than he did. You know, I grew up in a denomination, and I said this Friday night, but I want to repeat myself just a little bit because some of you weren't here. Um, I didn't grow up in a denomination where you had a foundation of things like a lot of denominations do. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know who Daniel and the Lion's Den was. And I never, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were they, you know? And I didn't know all those things that a lot of people just take for granted because they grew up in a church that told all these Bible stories and they had all these things where they learned all these scriptures and they knew all where uh, John 3.16 was and they knew all these verses and they just knew them. It was like who they were and they knew them all their lives. I didn't grow up in a denomination like that. So when we took off and went to Bible school, he was so far ahead of me because he had grown up in that all of his life and everybody that was in the Bible school was so far ahead of where I was. I didn't even want to go around the people that were at the Bible school because I didn't know any of it. So I stayed way far over here on the secular side and just did my work because I didn't want to have to be around that because I was so intimidated by it, by what they all knew. And so I would just, you know, I'd just nod my head and I'd say yes and I'd, you know, and they thought I knew more than I did. If you keep your mouth shut, people will think that. (laughs) It's just when you open this and you start saying things, they realize you don't know nothing. You know, so anyway, um, we did this for years, you know, and, and we hung around a lot of people and got the privilege of hanging around very, very, you know, prominent people of God. And um, but I didn't go to Rama till after 10 years of what Keith had gone. I stayed and I worked. So but during that time, people assumed that I knew a lot more than I did because Keith did. And he taught at Rama, and he taught healing school and he taught prayer school. And they just assumed that I knew what he knew. People still assume it a lot. <laughs> Duh. But, you know, you only know what you know. And people try to put you in places that you're not sometimes. And the dumb thing is when you pretend to be there. That's the dumb thing. 
And so I told first service, I told a story, and I'm going to tell it to you now because I think it'll help you. And I only tell stories about myself, not to make myself look dumb or to make you think I am dumb, but because I was dumb. (laughs) But maybe I've gotten a little smarter since then. This has been like 30 years ago. But I tell it so that it will help you to maybe not make some of the mistakes that I made when I was immature and dumb. But when we first got to uh, Tulsa, Broken Arrow, and the, you, you know the story. You know, they say why the Indians lost the war, because they had a broken arrow, a broken bow, and no water. That's all the little towns right there. Um, but anyway, we got there, and um, Keith was at, at Ramah every day, and he was studying the Bible If there would have been 36 hours in a 24-hour period, that's how much he'd have been in the Word. Because he gave himself to it night and day. There was never a minute of the day that he wasn't studying. And he studied and he studied and he studied or he taught. And he studied and he studied and he studied or he taught. Sometimes he would teach 26 times a week. I mean, so he's got stuff in him. And um, so he taught and he studied. He taught and he studied. Well, when you hang around that all the time, you think it's getting in you by osmosis. But it's not. Just because you hear the lingo and just because you hear others talking it doesn't mean you're getting it. You can have a lot of head knowledge and zero spirit heart knowledge. And so that's what happened to me. During this particular season of time, There was a lot being said and done about casting out of devils. This was in the early 80s, probably like 1981. And everything had a devil. Every tree, every bush, every shrub, every person. Your wife had a devil, your son had a devil, your neighbor had a devil, your tree had a devil, your mailbox had a devil, everything had a devil in it. And they were more devil conscious than they were God conscious. And uh, so, well, during that time, it appeared that the devil was able to manifest itself more because of that. And so they were talking about it, and Brother Hagin was teaching on it and stuff. And so uh, I was working in a doctor's office, and, uh, which I did for decades. And um, I went to work one day, and there was this lady that came in, and she was an elderly lady. I would say she was at least 80 years old. I don't recall, but she was at least 80 years old. And she was walking with a cane, and she was very, very feeble. And uh, if you'd have took a real deep breath and blown real hard that particular day, you'd have blown her right over. That was how feeble she was in the natural. She was just old. And she came in, and she was saying how broke she was, and she was 80 years old, and she didn't have any family, and she didn't have any kids, and nobody to take care of her. And, you know, I was going to be real spiritual and say, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, you're supposed to take care of those widows and, you know, the elderly and this kind of stuff. And that's how much of the Bible I knew. I didn't know anything. But this guy that I worked for, he was a spiritual man, and he'd been filled with the Spirit for a long time. And uh, he said, you know what? He said, I really don't feel good about this. He said, "Uh, um, but if you want to, because I kind of pushed him on it a little bit, a lot. And uh, he did. He said, we'll do it. So we went ahead. He said, go ahead and x-ray her. So I went and I x-rayed her. And um, he worked on her. And she left. 
I thought, hmm, no big deal. See that I told you? Everything great. Well, the next day she comes in. And, um, you know, these kind of things never happen when nobody's around. They always happen when the store or the office or whatever it is is just jam-packed full of people. Well, she came at Friday, on a Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock when we had to have 100 people in the office. I mean, there were just people everywhere, on, stacked on top of people everywhere. And I was so busy, and, and uh, it was just people everywhere. And she, she wanted her x-rays. Well, I didn't have time to deal with her at that time because there was people everywhere. And I thought, well, the easiest and quickest thing for me to do is just get her x-rays. You're not supposed to at that time. I don't know how it is now. It's been a while since I've been in that field. You were not supposed to give people their x-rays. They were the possession of the doctor. So, but anyway, to get rid of her, I went and got her x-rays and I was giving them to her. And um, I gave her her x-rays and she unrolled them and she started looking at them and she started yelling and screaming and beating on the counter with her cane and and just causing a ruckus and started saying, these are not my x-rays, my x-rays were colored x-rays. Well, there's no such thing as a colored x-ray. X-rays, you know, as you all probably know, are black and white, grays, shades of gray. Well, I couldn't convince her, so I convinced her to go through this door and I would get her x-rays or do something. I forget what the scenario was at the time, but um, it was the door to the outside. (laughs) Which was really a dumb move on my part because it put me outside with an idiot. (laughs) But I didn't know that at the time. Because I thought she, you know, how can an 80-year-old woman with a cane do anything, you know? Well... I found out she just kept screaming and yelling and waving that cane. Well, I thought, this woman has got a devil. You've been hearing about it night and day, you know. So here goes no faith, no word, no wisdom, immaturity, no leading from the Lord whatsoever. Going to talk to this devil and tell it to leave her alone. Well, it talked right back (laughs) with a beating of a cane with the strength of a 300-pound man. And I got beat to a pulp. When I went home, Keith was just so upset because I was just shaking and I was beat and black and blue, and and it was bad. And so he began to sit me down, of course, and teach me about dealing with devils. And taught me about the seven sons of Seba. Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who in the world are you? And that was just how I felt that day. Who are you? And that's what place the devil has most Christians in today. They're trying to use things that they've heard other people say and other people do, and all the while the devil is saying, Who are you? So today, Friday night, we talked about your righteousness in Christ. And if you weren't here and you're interested in some basics, first grade basics, you might get it or listen to it. And so today, I want us to talk about another basic that I feel is very vital, that I don't think we can go different directions without it. And it's faith. Because I don't think... 
that most people realize the importance of first grade. And they try to skip first grade and get to 12th grade. And so what happens is they go away defeated and not liking God. When God is their answer, not their problem. And anytime you hear somebody saying they're upset with God or God didn't do something for them, you know the devil got one in on them because of something they didn't know. So I don't want us to be in that position. So let's start with the great faith chapter. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews 11. And you don't even have to turn there if you don't want to because you ain't going to be able to keep up with me. So you might as well just skip it and just listen because you know how I do it sometimes anyway. So they're going to put the Amplified on the screen. And I'm just going to pick out little bits and pieces of this. The title this morning of my message so that you know is Faith Takes Hearing and and Not Seeing. Faith takes hearing and not seeing. It does take a sense. But it's hearing and not seeing. So Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see. Now say that with me. Being the proof of things we do not what? The proof of things we do not what? The proof of things you do not what? If you do not what, it is what? If you see it, then it's not what? So if you're still not, then you're in what? Let's complicate this real hard. Okay? It's proof of what you do not. If you have it, then are you in? Not a chance. And that's where people have got things complicated. It's proof of what you do not see. 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 Do not what? See. Do not what? See. Do not what? See. Do not what? See. Everybody ain't saying it. You do not what? See. You do not what? You do not what? See. So if you're healed, then what? You saw it. If your needs are met, you saw it. If your marriage is working great, then you saw it. If your kids are doing good, then you saw it. But guess what? If your body still hurts... You don't see it. If your needs are not met, you don't see it. If your marriage is a mess, you don't see it. If your kids are a mess, you don't see it. So what are you in? Faith Faith is what? You don't see. That's the only way that you can know you're in faith. Is if you don't. See it. That's the only way that you can know you're in faith is if you don't see it. If you don't see 
And I know I keep saying it. It's only when you don't, then you're in. Do you get the picture? So all this time span that you've been dealing with all this stuff, what are you in? Maybe. We hope. So let's read some more of this. For by faith the men of old obtained a good report. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Verse 4, prompted and actuated by faith, Abel brought God a better and more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Verse 5, because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven. Now, this next part is really odd to me. That in the middle of all these by faith, actuated by faith, prompted by faith, urged on by faith, promoted by faith, you get this verse right here. Verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please or to be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must, must, I messed up on this word for our service, necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Why would you put that right in the middle of all these by faiths? Why would you put that right in the middle of these prompted and urged and actuated and... Because you have to believe that God wants you to have it. He's not trying to keep it from you. It's not His desire to tell you, to tell these people, uh, I've given you the promised land, but I'm going to try to keep it from you. What would be the point in that? Or... um, I've given you an opportunity to give me a good thing, Abel, but you can't really do it. I mean, what would be the point? He rewards you if you take that step of faith. He's not trying to hold anything back from you. That's not the God that we serve. You may know people like that that tells you, I'm going to dangle this out here and, I'm, and then you can't really reach it. Nana, 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 you can't have it. That's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve says, do this and I'm going to help you every step along the way. And there's nobody big enough to stop you from getting it. That's God. And he put it right in the middle of all this faith stuff so that you'd know it was him. You can't miss over it. You're reading all this stuff about faith and you stop and you think, it's impossible to please God without faith. And then you go back to it and it says, by, prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned of God, built an ark. Urged by faith, Abraham obeyed him and went forth. Prompted by faith, he dwelt as a temporary resident. Because of faith, Sarah received power to conceive. 
All these people died controlled and sustained by their faith. Verse 17 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, stood firm because God had said, Through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. Now, did God, did Abraham see Isaac right away? Absolutely not. How many of you were here and watched the first service that we had at your baby sister's church? Yeah. So you remember the testimony that I gave about the lady that said she had cancer and said that she couldn't die because why? God had told her she had to get to the church. He told her she had to get to Sarasota. And the church wasn't open yet, so she knew she couldn't get there yet. So all that time, she had to get healed and get to Sarasota. So if God gives you a word, and he tells you something, and you don't see it yet, what does that mean? That means it's on the way. That means you don't got it yet, so you just are standing and you're going to have it. And the only thing that can stop you from having it is if you quit. And we're not quitters. The only thing that can stop you from having it is if you decide, I'm not getting this, and you quit. Now, I did an illustration during first service, and the Lord corrected me about it. So I'm going to have to straighten it out, and maybe we can figure out a way to straighten it out with first service. But I'm going to try to do the same illustration the right way this time. Y'all want to see it? And I'll tell you what I did first service, and then I'll correct it, so you'll understand it. Okay, Rob, stand up here. You saw the illustration first service. So stand up here at the end. Then we'll have, like, you five people come up here, if you want to. If you don't, somebody else can come. Y'all come on up Stand kind of in, in the middle here. And I'll stand here. You don't have to really do anything. You just kind of have to kind of. Now, my objective is that is what I'm trying to get to. That is my faith down there on the end. Now, first service, all these people in here were obstacles trying to keep me from getting to what I was trying to get to. And it was right. It was just what came up out of my heart, and it was a good thing, and it was right. And so they were fighting me. And you also fight me, keep me from getting to what I'm supposed to be getting to. Okay, so they're trying to keep me from getting to what I'm supposed to be getting to, right? All right? So they're keeping me from getting to it, right? Which is right. That's what the devil does all the time. He does it all the time. But here's where the Lord corrected me. It's not my job to get to that. It's God's job to get that to me. And all I got to do is when these things keep coming at me, y'all come on. It's just sit here and let them come. And he's just going to keep pushing them aside until it gets to me. They cannot come against me enough that the grace of God can't make me stand. They're not strong enough 
if I'll just keep my eyes on that. They can stand all in front of me all they want and they can come against me all they want. But if I keep my eyes fixed on that that's at the end, he can just push right through it. He pushes right through whatever these obstacles are and gets right to me. It's not my job to get to it. It's my job to stand and rest. And that's what your job is. What you've been doing is what I did first service. Is struggling and fighting. You've been doing this. Back up, Rob. God corrected me. Hey, I can miss it. You never missed it. (laughs) Throw a stone. (laughs) I did like this. I fought them for five whole minutes and I just kept fighting them. And there was this one that was really tough. And she would not let me through. I'm telling you, she would not. And I kept fighting and using my strength. But you know what? I don't have to use any of my strength. And that's where we've been missing it, guys. We've been wearing ourselves down trying to fight. We've been fighting battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. And we've been waking up the next day worn out thinking we've got to fight this battle again. Here it is again. I'm facing it again. When all we got to do is just what Peter did about the water. Keep our eyes right there and let it come to us. And it'll push everything else out of the way so long as we keep our eyes on the, on the faith thing that we have our faith on. Thank you, guys. And if we'll do that, we'll get what we're believing for. Because so many people are waking up exhausted every day of their life, fighting battles. And that's where the devil wants to keep us, is fighting battles. Because if he can keep us fighting battles... We'll be tired and grumpy and worn out and no good to anybody. We don't have any joy. We don't have any peace. We don't have any excitement about serving God because we're fighting all the time. And we need somebody to prop us up because we're fighting. When if all we'll do is we'll wake up in the morning and we'll get our eyes on the prize. And we'll get our eyes on the answer. And we'll see it the way God sees it. See it the way He intends for it to be. Get your faith in action that all you see is the answer. And it doesn't matter how many obstacles He throws at you that day. You, you shake it off and you say, nope, 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 nope. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about that answer coming to me through those people. I don't care if if he throws me 62 bills today. Those are just obstacles. The prize is all my bills are paid. This house is sold. This debt's paid off. Whatever it is. And you see the answer. The other is just obstacles. Because the devil knows the more obstacles he can throw at you and wear you down... You'll quit. Yeah. 
But if he ever sees that you're just going to keep your eyes and your head up, if he ever sees that, he'll quit throwing so many. But if he ever sees you do this and every obstacle that comes, you fight it. You stay in that battle. This battle took you six months. This battle took you two years. This battle took you, oh, four years. Why did the children of Israel stay in the wilderness? They never saw the promised land. They only saw every obstacle they had to overcome every day. That's all they saw. But if you'll ever get your eyes on what you're believing for and get it off of everything that's coming your way every single day, the test will get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. But you've got to get your eyes out there. And sometimes it's tough. I'm not going to stand here and tell you it's not. And that's one of the problems that I've had with some so-called faith people. is because they try to pretend like if you're a faith person, you never have a test or a trial. And that's just baloney hogwash. Because why do you call them faith people if they never have a test or a trial? What are they using their faith on? Somebody else's stuff? I doubt it. They can't get their own taken care of, much less somebody else's. We're called faith people because there's things that we have to overcome. And nobody I know, and I know some pretty good people that calls himself faith people. I know the person that people think that wrote the book on faith has had to overcome things by faith. But it's our job to encourage one another. That's why God said bringing yourselves together on a Sunday morning to encourage one another, to lift up one another. It says you that are spiritual, build one another up. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to tear each other apart because, oh, you don't have a new car? Well, if you just get that faith built up, buddy. You could have a new one. Well, yeah, and you could have a payment book this big, too, because that's how you got yours. That's not how it works, guys. We are to encourage one another, not try to rip to shreds our brother to prove to him we're better than they are. That's not how you win people to Christ. That's how you destroy people from ever wanting to serve Christ. We've got to be the ones that are encouraging people and saying, Hey, you got that nickel? Yay, glory to God, you got a nickel. It's like the little rascals. I got a nickel, I got a nickel, I got a pickle, I got a pickle, whatever it was. And be just as excited about that pickle as you would have been if they'd have got a million dollars. But that's what we got to do. And we've got to quit trying to fight battles all day long to where we're so stinking worn out that we're no joy to be around. Because the devil is winning. If all we're doing all day long is fighting battles, we've got to be a pain to be around. We don't have any joy to share with anybody. Look at, look at this with me just for a second. What is the difference? Can you tell me? Between Abraham's faith and Thomas's faith. 
Thomas said, unless I see. Was that faith? That was seeing. Abraham said, I'm not going to even consider what I see. I'm not even going to consider what I feel. Because God said, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. So he had something to stand on. He had a word from God that he could stand on. When you get a word from God, and you know that you know you have heard from God about something, and you're believing for it, which is a real simple thing. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a word you can stand on. Let's start there. Because everybody in this room could just about raise their hand and say they have a need. Let's not even go beyond what we need right now. Let's not go on to the $200,000 cars and the $6 million mansions and the uh, private jets and the, and the uh, uh, Rolls Royces and the everything else. Let's just pay our light bill. How about that? Do we have a word that we can stand on? My God will supply all my needs. Say it with me. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, is that a word from God? That's a word from God. And that's a word that you can stand on. Now, you've heard from God just like Abraham did. Because it's in his word, he said it to you. Now I'm going to tell you a little story about my husband. He's a funny man. I love him dearly. For 30 years, 30 years, I couldn't make a biscuit. But I'm not a quitter. I don't know of anything I've ever quit in my life. I'm not a quitter. So for 30 years, I kept trying to make a biscuit. And every time I had time, I'd try to make a biscuit again. And I'd try to make a biscuit again. They're not hard, but it just wasn't something I could do. And I'm an okay cook. But I couldn't make a biscuit. Dumb, I know, but that's life. I finally could make a biscuit. It turned out big, and it was fluffy, and it was they were okay. He said, Phil, this is a really good biscuit. I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. I had to use my faith to make a biscuit. But do you know what he said? Now, this is my husband. He said, but you know what, Phil? Don't you call me Phil just because he calls me Phil. He said, you know what? I like biscuits. But do you know what I like better than biscuits? I said, what? Yeast rolls. I said, yeast rolls? I've been married to you for almost 40 years. And I've been trying to make a biscuit for 30 of them. 
And today you're telling me you like a yeast roll better than a biscuit. Why have I been trying to make a yeast roll for 30 years? We could already be there. Well, so no, here we go. I mean, we're getting out. I mean, most of the time we get out of the building down there. The earliest we get out of the building down there is 8 or 9 o'clock, right? Earliest, right? 8 or 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever. But I go in sometimes and try to make yeast rolls so that when he comes, he can have a yeast roll. And so one night, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm calling Tom and Jeff, and I'm saying, something's not right. I've got the yeast. I bet I bought packs and packs and packs and packs of Fleshman's yeast. We're not on the Internet, so I can say it. And I'd try, and I'd try, and I'd try, and I'd try, and I'd throw it out, and I'd try again, and I'd throw it out, and I'd try again, and I'd throw it out. And I couldn't figure it out. And Jeff says, well, Mrs. Moore, this is what you have to do. You have to get a container, and you have to have the water at this certain temperature, and you have to put a little sugar in it. Sugar? It doesn't say that. And you have to test the yeast. Every time you're going to use it, you have to test it. Now, how many of you knew that? 10, 12, 15 people. The rest of you are as dumb as me. (laughs) You have to test the yeast to see does it work. And you have to put the sugar in it and you have to let it set 10 minutes and then it makes this fizzy, fuzzy, ugly looking stuff, gross looking stuff that you would really want to throw out. And you pour that in there and that's your yeast. And you have to do this every time you're going to make a yeast roll. I thought, that is just ridiculous. (laughs) But you have to do it in order to have a good yeast roll or yeast bread. So I began doing that. And I actually did it. But my point of the story is, If you don't follow the recipe, it don't work. And if you don't know it, it don't matter how many times you do it, it ain't going to work. If you don't know it, it doesn't matter how many times you do it, it ain't going to work. I could have put those packets of yeast in there every day for 60 years. And if I wouldn't have done it right, I would have never had a yeast roll. And all it took was somebody telling me the proper way of doing it. That's all it took. He told me the proper way of doing it. I made a few adjustments. Minor little adjustments, but adjustments. And I began to get rising bread. And he says, then you have to set it in this place where it's warm. And then you have to a few other little steps that were added to it. And then it'll rise. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. That's tough. He wants a yeast roll. (laughs) Well, what about you? What about we test your faith? 
we make a few little minor adjustments. We add a little word to it. We put it in your container of your being. And we add a little true faith to it instead of what somebody else has tried to make you do. And we come out with a real result this time. What about everybody in here get a need in your mind that's not over $200? A true need that's not over $200. And you believe God, and don't put a time frame on it, for that $200. And let's test your faith. And let's see if we can't grow in our faith with things that we need. Instead of, because if we can't, you know what? If we can't believe for our light bill to be paid or our car payment to be paid or our insurance to be paid, we ain't never going to believe for a new house. We ain't never going to believe for a new car. I remember one time I was talking to somebody, and they were just going to believe God out and out for God to give them a new car. I said, are you believing God that he gives you the amount of your payment on the car you got now? Well, no, I'm just believing for a new car. Well, sweetheart, if you can't believe for the amount of a payment, how are you just going to believe for a new car? It doesn't just work that way. You don't just skip steps. And that's what people have been trying to do. They've been hearing people say, we're believing for a new building in Sarasota. And they think they can just be there tomorrow. Well, we didn't start just believing for a new building in Sarasota. I believed for $10 to buy groceries with. Because I had shriveled up carrots in my refrigerator and Keith would go and fast all day because he didn't have lunch money and believe God for $3 to get a cheeseburger. That's where we started. But we don't tell those stories often enough for people to understand that we didn't start here. I can remember laying in a bed at night and not having any clothes to wear and him not having any clothes to wear to go preaching. And I'd have to sew things up over and over and over and over and over again so that he'd have a suit to wear to preach in. Believing God for every dime that we had. And we didn't eat out. What do you mean eat out? What we ate was vegetables that were sent to us from Mississippi because they were coming out of a garden that I barely often didn't have the oil and the seasonings to put in them. We just had to cook them like they were. start believing for churches and buildings and lands and houses. We started believing for a container of salt or a bag of sugar. 
But today, people want to jump and skip from believing for a bag of sugar and groceries to where they don't think that they have to work to where they're going to believe for a new house. It doesn't work that way, guys. And if you think you can skip all the steps along the way, the devil is doing exactly what his aim was. He's, he's getting you to where if he can't get you from knowing about faith, then he's going to get you in the ditch so far on the other side to where your faith is going to be useless to you. Because if he can get you to where you know about faith, but that you try to extend yourself out so far that you can't use your faith because you're believing for things so far out beyond you that it'll never work, then your faith is useless to you. You can only believe for things that God has dealt with you about having. And the first thing you should start with is believing for your needs to be met and money to sow. And then we can go beyond that. But until we get to that point, I think we should back down just a little bit. And I see how quiet it is in here, but because it's hitting home with so many people. There's too many people that can't pay their rent this month. There's too many people that can't pay their light bill this month. There's too many people that can't buy their kids' clothes to go to school or backpacks to get into school this next year or clothes that they need for their job or gas money to get from home here to church. But somebody says something about believing for a house and they, yes, glory to God, we're believing for our new house. Well, let's pay the light bill first on the one you got. And I'm not trying to knock anybody's faith down. You should have vision. You should always have vision to press towards. But you got to start where you are. Or elsewise, the devil will step on your toes and he will knock you out of the race before you get started. That's like a marathon runner trying to run a five-mile race when they've never run a quarter mile. They're going to get disqualified before they ever start. And that's exactly what the devil is doing to everybody. They're getting mad at God and thinking God's word is not true. And they're quitting the faith stuff because they say faith doesn't work. Faith works. Faith has never not worked. I will tell you, I will stand here right before you. God is my judge. He could strike me dead right now if it's not true. Faith works. I would not be standing here if it didn't. I am proof positive faith works. It's worked every day of my life. It has got me from A to B and B to C and C to D. But that's how it got me. It didn't get me from A to Z. Every day of my life. It takes steps. And today you get up and it looks like the devil's got you defeated. It looks like he's pushed you under and you don't have the money to do this. Well, you get up today and you say, devil, stand up, Rob. I've got my eyes on that prize. Got my eyes. And all this stuff keeps throwing at you. You just stand up and you just put one foot in front of the other. And you may feel like you're as weak as you can be. 
But what happens is, that's where the grace comes in. You're able to stand today. And you made it through today. And all these things come against you. And the winds blow and the storm comes. But guess what? You're still standing at the end of the day. And tomorrow comes. And it comes some more. And all these testing trials comes. And all these testing trials comes. But if you keep keeping your eyes on that, the testing trials are going to get easier and easier and easier because you're not so swayed by them. And you're not so moved by them. And they just keep getting easier and easier. And every time you get ready, it's more easy for me today to believe for a million dollars than it was for the ten dollars to buy a bag of sugar and some groceries. And that is the honest truth. It was the hardest thing for me to believe for ten dollars. Thanks, Rob. For ten dollars to buy seasonings to put in vegetables that were being shipped to us than it is for me to believe God for a building and do what it takes. But guys, we had to start there. We had to start with that. So get back with your, is, get back with your spouse, get back with your family. Say, guys, we did. We did that. We did that very thing. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with where you are. Say, this is where we need to start. This is what we need to believe for. We need to believe to make our house payment. We need to believe to make our car payment. We need to believe for this. We need to believe for that. And start where you are. And actually see God meet your needs. Actually see it in your heart and get excited about it. And I want to see up here on this podium, Kim or I, reading $200 testimonies. I want to see it. Somebody gave me $200. Somebody went to the electric company and paid $200 on my light bill. Somebody went and I didn't even know who it was and paid $200 on my car payment. Somebody went and did this. Somebody went and did that. Or what? $400 or whatever it is, but at least $200. Left and right, like popcorn popping all over this place. And if we do that, it's going to set us on a path where we are learning to trust God again and realizing that faith is working. Stand up with me on your feet.